get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Normally, we would go out to the Brown and Crippen celebrity line for this, but today oh, we brought yeah. on the big guns. Mike McKenna joining us in studio. Mike, we appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? Uh, I'm just happy to get out of the house. You know, anytime <laughs> you can walk out into 97 degrees and uh, 130 oh. percent humidity, life's good. But no, man, happy to come in. It's 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 always better in person, and it is at a really appropriate time with the NHL draft rolling around starting uh, tomorrow in Montreal and then finishing up uh, on Friday. I mean, there's just no shortage of what seems like drama around the league, especially in the salary cap world. Man. I'm surprised we got you in studio with, with how chaotic things truly are when you got the draft tomorrow and then free agency, what, next week? Like, this is... This is Christmas morning for hockey fans, and you talked about the chaos. And let's start with it because your coworker Frank Saravalli at Daily Faceoff, Mike, he decided to drop a huge bombshell on us this morning by putting Tory Krug on the potential trade list in the National Hockey League. Like mm-hmm. we have spent—I don't even know BK—we've spent since the trade deadline this past season. Every single day trying to figure out left side defensemen that make sense. Nick Letty was acquired. You know, you're Nostradamus. You find out who he is. <laughs> Nosty. Remember those old commercials? Nosty. I'm Nosty. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm really surprised that Tory Krug's name was brought up. But on the flip side of that, if you want to go get yourself a top pairing defenseman, you're going to have to trade six and a half million dollars mm-hmm. if you want to find a way to put them on your cap. You are. And I think that the strength of the Blues defense when you look at it is that they've got right-handed players and Colton Pareko and Justin Falk that a lot of teams don't have that luxury. So you can pretty much pencil them in as they're not going anywhere <laughs> because of how their hand is, because of how they've played. And, you know, Krug's tied up now for long term. He's got, I believe, five more years left at 6.5. What does Tory Krug do for the Blues? Okay, he's a great player in the National Hockey League. Ton of value on the market. Ton of value with the Blues. But when you're in a salary cap world and you're trying to create flexibility, and you've only got you know nine million to work with right now, and you still got to grab Perron and make some you know sign some of your RFA's that are out there, who's the one RFA that can do what Tory Krug can do? It's Scott Perunovich on the power play, and you have to look at it at a very minute mindset sometimes I think that if if Krug is truly being dangled there has to be a belief that Perunovic can take care of the power play from that 
quarterback position as a left-hander and that they can fill in around that and potentially be able to grab somebody else to fill space at a cheaper cap hit. So I, I'm trying to look at it objectively in that way and why Krug would be available because you typically wouldn't have a player like that on the market. You know, somebody that you can pencil in for 50 points a year, 45 assists, whatever it is. Um, I mean, is he, is he the most responsible defensively in the league? No. Neither's Perunovic. But I think that that's something you have to at least look at maybe as a potential there. Because look at it this way, too. Ryan O'Reilly's going to need a new deal. Thomas is going to need a new deal. Mm-hmm. Kyrie's going to need a new deal. If you want to shake up your team a little bit, if you want to make a run at a Matthew Kachuk, how are you going to do it? Cap flexibility. And that's the hard decisions that that Doug Armstrong faces. The other thing is, as we just watched the Stanley Cup playoffs and what was everybody's reaction to that? Oh, you need puck moving defensemen. So uh, there might never be a time where there's more value for a guy like Tory Krug. He's got term. He signed his contract a couple of years ago before we got into this crunch of the salary cap. So it's a little different in terms of what it would be if he was available this offseason. I wonder what he would get. He might get close to eight million dollars given what's out there in terms of the left handed defenseman. There's there's nobody on that side. Right. So you you look at him relative to the other players that are available you you might be able to get a lot for him in terms of whether it be prospects or draft pick capital and then that helps you go on a run for some of these other players that may be out but there don't you got to go find another puck moving defenseman if you're going to well, trade well, one that's away Brunovich comes in is you've got a guy that could cost you a million dollars that gives you maybe it's 70 percent of what Krug does for six and a half million dollars so you're in the advantageous situation of we've got another guy and there's like 20 other teams out there that want this. And we think we might have two of them. And we're not sure that you can have both of them on the team. Also think about it from this way. What if you can go grab a defenseman that's 25 or six years old that can do those types of things? Maybe a Jacob Chikrin who's on the trading block. Mm-hmm. And and that's another factor is if you've got Krug at six and a half at 31 years old and you look at Chikrin who's in his low 20s. If you could swing a play to get a player like that, that you're going to have his prime time for the next six, seven years, that's easily something that you have to think about, too. Again, it's just it's all cap flexibility. It's not whether somebody likes or dislikes a player. And that's why that's why people are on the block. A lot of the times, most of the players that are on the trading block, they're there because they have value. Mm -hmm. Ryan McDonough is a really good player. They didn't want to get rid of him, but he makes six point seven five million dollars. So they said, okay, if we want to bring back Andre Pallad, we want to do this with Nick Paul. We, we've got to find the money from somewhere, and that's where they were able to find well, it. Well, and Tampa was in a similar situation as the Blues because they also had the restricted free agency coming up of Mikhail Sergachev, who was going to get paid big money. And now you've got Thomas and Cairo, and as Mike mentioned, Ryan O'Reilly. But but let's go to the Chikrin thing because that's that's the obvious one here, Mike. But if you do this and you say, well, Scott Perunovich is going to be a top four, and to get Chikrin, we're going to have to move Tory Krug. How do you get Jacob Chikrin without Scott Perunovich? Well, and that's, you know, you kind of have to look at it in that. I still think Perunovich is somebody who is going to be, from what I've seen defensively, 5'6 with power playability. Yeah. You know, like I I haven't seen the growth yet there. And there's still room. Like he's young. But, you know, typically when you get a player out of college that's a Hobie winner, that's a defenseman, they've racked up a lot of points and generally that's where it comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's not that many that are a Kale McCarr that can just skate like the wind and go both directions like that. So um, I, I think if you're really trying to swing this and you're hoping Perunovic can fill that power play void, you know, if you're if this is really to take a swing at a Chikrin, you're still looking at Perunovic as growing into that role yeah. and maybe being used as that five, six, seven in that time frame. Because, I mean, you still have Mikola. You know, mm-hmm. Rosen's on a two-year deal that's – cap friendly Scandella is still here technically yeah you know and and Scandella is a contract you look at as well yeah. that it, 
it seems ripe for the picking. Maybe that's part of the thing with Krug, too, though, because they realize that the only way you're getting rid of Scandella is if you're buying Scandella out, and Doug doesn't do that. So if you got a guy who's more uh, desirable on the market and you can find a role because Scandella was good for the Blues if you keep him on the third pairing. Mm -hmm. It's when you're asking more, that's where I feel like it hurts the team. It's, It's just the classic case of how much is that contract worth compared to what you're getting from the player. Yeah. You know, in a five, six role, over $3 million isn't what you want to do, you know? And, you know, I thought Scandella's play really improved in the second half and he played better when he was alongside Pareko later in the season. Um, but yeah, I think he's a five, six at this point. And so there are teams out there. You look at a team like Anaheim, that's got piles of cap space right now. I mean, they'll take what you need, but you're going to have to pay to make a player go away. That's the hard part that you run yeah. into is, Hey, you want to take this player from? We'd like to offload this contract. Yep. It, it doesn't turn into getting a prospect back. It turns <laughs> into we're going to pay you a third round pick to get rid of this contract. That's the weird world that the hockey is right now. So here's my question to you: Is we we have spent God only knows how many hours talking about Jacob Chikrin. Someone literally just texted in and said, "Stop beating the horse." Yeah. That is Jacob Chikrin. Well, well, that's my fault. I walked into this we do it too. storm. We do it too. <laughs> it makes sense that you would bring him up because he's the one that's he makes sense, right? Four point six million dollars. He's twenty three years old he's he's on a good contract plays for a bad team could become available and the the blues have been connected for seemingly a full calendar year now to Jacob Chikrin it makes all the sense in the world but what if he's not available mm-hmm. or there's another team out there that makes that godfather offer that the blues just can't or won't match what's the pivot because we saw the deadline the pivot was Nick Letty it worked out pretty well for the blues he played very well and you were on that from the beginning Who's the pivot from Jacob Chikrin now if they can't get him? It might be Tory Krug. You know, you stick with what you have. But don't they then, need another one? Well, I think you've going got into Krug, it might be Perunovic. Well, and that's at some point you got to let your players go. You got to let them try to succeed on their own. And do you so, think that those guys can be top pairing defense or top four left-handed defensemen right now? Perunovic, no. Mikola, I mean, Mikola played three quarters of the season there. But they you know? upgraded for a reason at the deadline. BK didn't like Mikola like he doesn't like Barbashev. And I know if my That's mom, I know if my mom's listening right now, she's probably gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but I, I think that you're still like, where are you with that player, and who can you get in a value? You know, and that's where we don't know. We don't know what the pivot's going to be with with who's available, you know? And so um, if Chikrin is the only option you're looking at, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, I, I think the glaring one really is just Scandella's contract. You know, the, mm-hmm. these these trade targets get dangled out there because names are in chat or not because it's going to happen, Yeah, right? It's not a foregone, foregone conclusion. And let's not forget, too, if you're going to pry Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes, it's going to take a lot of capital to do it. And, like, frankly, the, the Blues aren't that rich when it comes to picks mm-hmm. they're missing both they're missing their second round pick the next two seasons they do have their first rounders but how many times has Doug Armstrong given up a first round pick a lot and he said in the past you know, that, you know at some point you got to stop giving those up exactly and that's where he kind of seemed like he put a line in the sand this year when they picked up Letty saying hey we we probably could have gotten some people but we're just yeah we're sticking with our picks too two more names I want to ask before we go to a break real quick BK one of them I know you're familiar with because you covered the Vegas Golden Knights for the longest time and Nicholas Haig mm. and then the other one is Travis Sanheim from Philly those are the two names that we've brought up and you can throw Alec Martinez into that conversation as well not because I think that he's like the greatest fit or anything but he was on this list of defensemen that could be available from your colleague over at uh, the Daily Faceoff and Frank Saravalli 
Alec Martinez is going to be too much of a contract for the Blues and, and, and frankly, too old, which is terrible to say. I, I can't stand saying that. I know. I said that you during know? commercial break, and I'm thinking, like, this former NHL goaltender is going to hit me in the face because I'm calling players old. I know. And at this stage of the game, you know, these guys are five, six, seven, eight years younger than I am at 39 <laughs> years old. But, um, no, Nick Hague is intriguing because he really took strides for the Golden Knights. He's got a – I mean, he can shoot the one-timer. He can play a bit of power play. Um, he's huge, big, rangy, 6'6", somebody that you, I think you can trust in your top, I mean, minimum your top, in your lineup, okay? Yeah. You know, I, and I think Vegas was a little bit rich in their defense and that shoved him out and he was injured and, and was in and out of the lineup. And, you know, he's an RFA that Vegas simply may not be able to keep with their cap crunch. He could easily fit that on a, on a lower pairing for sure. Um, I, I would like that move if that came to be. The other one that you mentioned, Travis Sanheim's an old teammate of mine from the Philly organization. Um, and, man, Philly was just loaded in defense a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. And now they're depleted in defense, it seems like. And, um, you know, Sanheim is, has been a dependable player. Uh, but, I, boy, I'm always concerned about grabbing players from teams that just haven't been winning. Mm-hmm. You know, like Nicoletti, you can you could rely on him. He'd want a Stanley Cup. He'd been around for a long time. He was on the Islanders for so long. Yeah, but, boy, things in Philly haven't been great lately. And <laughs> it seems like worse. Sanheim's game's kind of plateaued where Hags could have some upside to it. Um, so that's that's one I'd keep an eye on there because if Vegas can't keep him around, I think he'll be a commodity somebody's going to want. The one other defenseman that I wanted to ask you about because we've looked at the entire free agency market, and let's be honest, most of them are just not all that appealing. I sit up at night on cap friendly, and I'm like, is this guy work? Dude, I, I try to like so find lob, all of the lob PK Subban at me? Oh, oh God, no. no. He's right-handed. <laughs> So we have enough, there's enough right-handers on the There's a million blues, right-handers that are available thing. on the market, but like you just don't need that here. The, most teams do. The Blues don't, as you Correct. mentioned earlier. Uh, the one that we have talked about is Nikita Zadorov from Calgary. He's been a part of a winning organization for the last few years now. Uh, we talked to Matthew Kachuk, what was this, two weeks ago now, and he said he absolutely loves playing with him, and he would hate playing against him because of the style. Big He's mean. Dude. Heavy. Do you think he makes sense for the Blues? Depending on, of course, you, you got to worry about what the contract's going to be, but mm-hmm. if the money may made sense do you think playing style wise ability he fits into the top four here well he's 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 heavy you know but he was really even in in calgary to me was a he he, he played up and down throughout their defense um but you really looked at him and good branson as being kind of their heavy hitter shutdown pairing and, and zadorov could go up and down with shillington and, and with tana when necessary and anderson but um I, i'm not sure from the mix of the blues you know quite where he fits in in less like we say, if, if Scandello's contract goes away, like Zadorov can move pretty well. He's probably a little bit more agile, I'd think, than, you know, if you're looking at Bob Bortuzzo, who, like, I mean, to me, dude, that contract's great. Yeah. It's awesome. I agree. It's Perfect. a great deal. It's a guy who loves being here, who kills just, just an absolute warrior who kills penalties. And that's kind of what you're looking for from your five sixes. Yeah. So, you know, if Zadorov comes in somewhere below two million bucks or three, two and a half, sure. But boy, I, I I don't see, especially with kind of the buzz that he created, I'd be surprised if he's not grabbing three from somebody. Kind of a going rate on D like that, it yeah. seems. They are in a tough spot where all all roads lead back to Jacob Chikrin. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is the guy. Yeah, and, and if there's you don't no guarantee him, he moves. Buddy. Yeah. It's, uh, it's and if tough. you wanted Z- Zadorov, I mean, McDonough is Zadorov, probably a little more expensive. Well, yeah, a lot more expensive. Well, I don't know. I think somebody's going to overpay for Zadorov. 
I mean, he was seven. I think it's going to be closer to four and a half, five. I mean, he was at three, seven, five, you know, and and that's where he's playing top four for Calgary. You're always looking for players that are going to take, you know, a little bit more ice time. And and it's funny because the flat, the salary cap only went up a million bucks, Mm -hmm. but there's still an inflation to contracts. (laughs) Yeah. And the contracts just keep becoming more haves and have nots in our game. You know, it's, it's really become, you've got the. There's a, there's a dearth of middle-class citizens in the NHL. You know, like the dudes that are only driving Mercedes and not Bentleys, right? Like there, there's not that many of the middle class now. It's turned into— Look at the Blues. I mean, their cap sheet is is symbolic of this because they got mm-hmm. rid of the uh, the deal at, at the deadline uh, that was around two and a half million bucks. We've talked all offseason about the possibility of Barbie and what that looks like for them. They're kind of more of the six-plus million dollars and then one to two million dollar range. I, you know, and— the Blues are an interesting case study, though, because they don't have a really big top-end deal on the on, True. on their books. Yeah. You know, a lot of these teams now have somebody that's at nine, ten million. I mean, geez, look at even the Maple Leafs at eleven plus. Um, so, you know, Doug Armstrong's always been somebody who's valued really, really good players at good contracts. You know, it's never been the big swing for that huge free agent at the at the nine, ten million dollar mark. I do think that this is a club that's pretty evenly balanced, and that's why you saw the team have you know, a dozen 20 goal scorers, <laughs> 10 20 goal scorers this year, is because of that, because they could roll through those lines. But, you know, you, you wonder, I mean, because 91. He's still on the train ticket here, too. That's where we want to get to next. There was a report earlier today from Frank Saravalli, again, the colleague from Mike McKenna, (laughs) who said, hey, (laughs) as much as (laughs) it was a great season for Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, the trade request has not been rescinded from Vladdy. What does that mean for the Blues? Is he going to be back next season? We'll talk about that with Mike McKenna here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So according to Frank Saravalli of the Daily Faceoff, quote, unlike Jake DeBrusque, Vladimir Tarasenko's trade request was never rescinded after the Blues questions Tarasenko's commitment and character and left him exposed in the expansion draft. Tarasenko responded with the best season of his career. He was a force, led the team in scoring, but was only sixth among Blues forwards in ice time. Now he is one year away from free agency, and the benefit for the Blues is they can certainly get more from him this time around as a proven difference maker on the trade market. He could be the game breaker that the Hurricanes desire. End quote. Again, that comes from the Daily Faceoff. We're joined in studio now by Mike McKenna, former NHL goalie, now a colleague of Frank Saravalli over at the Daily Faceoff face off Mike this was a surprise to us to see it on the trade bait article earlier today I just kind of assumed they were going to run it back with Vladdy unless they really needed that cap space what'd you make of your colleague writing up that Vladimir Tarasenko's trade request has not been rescinded you know you hit on the one aspect of it that's really important is the cap space but I think more than the cap space it's going to be a maximization of return if you can possibly do it um, you know seven five seven point five million dollars is is tangible, but you look at what you could get for that player, you know, and, and if you if you run it through the end of next season with Vladimir Tarasenko, who still has a trade request in place, you're not getting them back after next year. Mm-hmm. And when's his stock going to be highest? You know, would it be at the at the draft? Would it be at free agents? Would it be at the trade deadline? Do you just want to 
keep him in-house and try to win a Stanley Cup with him again, you know? There's a lot of decisions to make there, and they all factor pretty heavily. But for me, it's really the maximization of return on a player and cap space if he's on that block and he doesn't, you know, listen, Tarasenko was awesome last year, and he, by all means, was a good citizen with his teammates, on the ice, everything. But from this report... This is this is rock solid. You can take this to the bank if it comes from Frank. Yeah. And ultimately that means the player is still not happy. You know, if you don't want to be here, if you still want to be traded. And and that's a really tough headspace to live in to be able to perform like that. Like it's that's unbelievable how he was able to do it this season. Um but you do look at like a team like Carolina needs star power bad. And that's and, the one that Frank brought up, yeah. Yeah, and, and there's other clubs, but I mean Tarasenko's a winger and you know, right side, 30 years old, like there's clubs that could use that for one year and basically have it as a rental. If you get them for the one year, great. If you can keep them, that's great past that. Um, but, but boy, I just, that's a lot of production to, to let walk well, out the door. That's a that's, hard decision to make. And that's the thing. I mean, BK and I have, all, uh, we talk about it all the time on the defensive side. Like y- you are robbing Peter to pay Paul if you're making a move to try and acquire a defenseman because you're going to have to trade somebody out that you feel like can give you something and that's the Vladimir Tarasenko conversation because you're giving up an 80 plus point player but are you getting that player in return I don't think you're getting that same product back you might be getting something that could result in acquiring a Matthew Kachuk or acquiring a player from somewhere else but it it seems like it seems so much more tedious work to get to that point rather than just having an 80 plus point player. Yeah, Mike, the way that I view this is basically you can only trade Vladimir Tarasenko if you know you're replacing Vladdy with a guy that is either equal or better than Vladimir Tarasenko in terms of the production. Which essentially is Matthew Kachuk or a David Pasternak. And that's it. Yeah, that's the only guys that are available this offseason that seem and maybe available this offseason that could replace it. Yeah, and I don't think Pasternak's available. You know, I, I don't see that happening, especially with who they just hired and Jim Montgomery as yeah. a coach who yeah. players want to play for. Jake DeBrus you know. just took his trade request away DeBrus because said, of it. I've never seen that before. Bruce Cassidy gone. <laughs> I'm staying. I, what a, that's wild, by yeah. the way. Like, it, that, if it wasn't just strictly the coach, who knows what was going on? I mean, yeah. it's pretty clear that it was oh, yeah. just straight up. Like, because Bergeron, I don't wasn't like sure. the coach. I don't want to play for him. Because Bergeron <laughs> wasn't sure if he was coming back. Krejci basically left Boston to go back to the Czech Republic, yep. and Jake DeBrusque wanted out. And now you've got all of these guys. They're saying Krejci might come back. Now. Yeah. What does that mean? He's with Vegas now, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bruce Cassidy. Bruce he Cassidy. Isn't, yeah. Well, he fits the mold in Vegas very well. Uh, win at all costs. Veteran team. Um, I guess that's true. But I mean, I'd heard it wasn't all bunnies and rainbows from Boston for a long time. Interesting, you know. And um, and but Cassidy always got the best out of his players, mm-hmm. though. And winning cures, man. And, and I think a lot of Bruce Cassidy. I think he's a, a really good NHL coach. But flipping back to the Blues, you look at the right side, and you're right. It's like it's kind of like Matthew Kachuk or bust if you're trying to get a better player yeah. and, and how you utilize that. But you know, you can still. Jordan Cairo is going to eat up more ice time, and at some point you got to trust him to to grow into that defensive game too. And it's going to have to happen through ice time. You can't bench him in the third period of half the games next year. It's there's still learning and growth there, but you're still missing Perron with needing a contract. You know, yeah. and, and like, listen, I think David Perron's coming back. I, I just that's my gut feeling on this. I don't know what it's going to take. I'm guessing it's going to probably take a third year at a lower AAV to yeah. get him to come. Which, man, I tell you what, he's played his best hockey is a blue in these last four years he's important to that club in all the ways possible uh, i keep him around so i i think you're right alex that you need production i'm not sure if it has to be 
better. But, boy, you better have a backup plan for that right side if you're going to let Tarasenko go. You can't just let him go without knowing how to fill that role. If we were to kind of project here, how much of this all comes back to what Johnny Goudreau decides to do? Because if Goudreau decides, you know what, I'm staying in Calgary, and Kachuk says, I, we have something good here, I, I want to stay here as well, and they make it work cap-wise. It's going to be tough. Like I'm not saying it's going to be easy to have Goudreau at nine, ten million bucks, and then Kachuk at something above that. <laughs> it's going to be tough to build around, but they seem to be interested in making that work. If he ends up going elsewhere... How much does that change, A, what Calgary decides to do, and then that has the pivot of, okay, the Blues now have to send money out to make things work with Kachuk? Is that what everything comes back to is what Johnny Goudreau's decision is? Why do you think that there's quotes out there saying that the Flames are willing to back up the Brinks truck for Johnny Goudreau? Because they have to keep him. And GM Brad, Brad Tree Living is on record saying, we'll move mountains, basically, saying yeah. to keep him. What's the vote of confidence in that team if he doesn't come back, you know, and, and really it could just be as simple as Goudreau doesn't want to play there. He'd rather go play somewhere else, you know, and that's his right. He's a UFA. Mm-hmm. But I see Goudreau and Kachuk intrinsically tied. If you're Matthew Kachuk and you've got Goudreau on the left side, knowing how they work together and, and even with Lindholm, I think they're kind of a package deal like you're hitting at BK. And that's where, man, if you're Kachuk, and, and, and we're just going to look at the Blues here, you know, there's there's 31 other teams around the league that would love to have him, but, like, you could play with Robert Thomas, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll take that. You know what I mean? And your Bruch, a pretty yeah, right. darn good. And if Robert well. Thomas doesn't figure you know, liking, how about Ryan O'Reilly yeah, and his yeah. skills? Put, on, put Factor out there or maybe go play with, you know, somebody like Saad or, like, yeah. There's a lot to like about that. So I, I think it's a it's a really good point that Goudreau really holds a lot of the power. Because, like, even if you sign Goudreau for 11 and you bring Kachuk back at 9, like, you'll let Andrew, Andrew Mangiapane walk if you have to. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll find ways if you're Calgary. That's what teams do. Um, but I, I think Goudreau is driving this big time. I think Kadri kind of the same way with Colorado, wherever he ends up, is, is going to kind of drive the boat on – you know what what they'll be able to do with some of their free agents as well as Colorado cuz they've got quite a few left that right. they got to take care of after winning that Stanley Cup. I think the biggest question like going into this week with a draft because that's usually when all of these agents and GMs talk with everybody and figure out what's going to happen with the players. I guess with all of this news that we found out today with the Krug and the Tarasenko and potentially Perunovic and then the trade front like what are the Blues trying to shift that identity towards after the series against Colorado? Because we heard Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube essentially say we need speed on the back end and the ability to get the puck out of the zone. But if the Tory Krug thing becomes available, are you looking for another puck move? Like there's so many different questions, I guess, that you're looking at with this roster and you're saying, okay, well, how does this identity shift? Because if Perron gets locked up and you look to trade Tarasenko, where are you getting that other piece from? There, there's more questions surrounding this Blues team than certainty, it feels like, going into next season. I'd wonder this, Mike. How much of this do you think needs to get done within the next 24 hours? Mm. Because that that does feel... It's not necessarily a deadline in terms of if it doesn't get it happen now, it can't happen ever again. But there are picks that become realized tomorrow. So how much of this do you think over the next 24 to 48 hours, we're going to start having some more of those answers? I think we're waiting for the levy to break right now in terms of across the league, um, seeing the movement that has already somewhat started. It's because you you don't want to be caught out for free agency. And, you know, we, we love the signings. We love the big splashy deals. 
But that's not necessarily your best place to bring in a free agent if possible. You know, and, you know, Tory Krug was a free agent brought in, but now look at his deal. It's mm-hmm. now we're looking at it like, like oh, trying boy. to get rid of it. Right. You know, and, and so that's that's a realistic thing to look at here. But I mean, I think if it's interesting to me for me to hear that because the Blues are such a good rush team this year, mm-hmm. you know, and zone exits, man, like Pareko was one of the tops in the league for rushing the puck. But up that's what's so zone, fascinating you know? because so, against Colorado in a series, they looked like the lesser of the team in that rush style. Yeah. Well, you're also playing against Colorado. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're like the best team. Sometimes it's hard to admit to yourself that you're playing a team that's just better than it. I haven't like, admitted it yet, Mike. Damn. Like, dude, I, we, when I was playing in Peoria in the Blues system, we had a head coach named Dave Allison. Okay. And Alley Cat was something special. <laughs> and I'm telling you, he, we walked in the one time, the leadership group of us, and he looked at a teammate of mine named Brent Regner, defenseman. And, and Regs is just the best cattle rancher from Alberta. And... Allison looks at him and we're playing against Toronto Marlies who had like a $3 million payroll and ours was like, a you know, like a mill combined. Right. And he looks at Regner and he goes, rags, they're just better than us. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you never want to admit that as a GM or, or anything, but like St. Louis gave Colorado Avalanche their hardest test in playoffs, I thought. Mm-hmm. So we need to take that with a grain of salt that the blues are not far off. And what if Krug had been healthy in that series? Or know? Benner. Or, yeah. or ben, I, I still say they win that series if Bennington's healthy. To me, the identity went out the window yeah, yeah. when Bennington got hurt. And, you know, there's another piece. Blues are going to need a goaltender. I, I don't yeah. see who's so sticking around. You know, he's going to get suitors that are going to give him what the Blues can't. So there's another piece of the puzzle to add in there as well. Mike McKenna is our guest in studio for another 15, 20 minutes or so. If you guys have any questions, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. We'll go quick hitter style. We want to ask him about the backup goalie situation. We want to be sure to ask as well about some of these RF. Phase. How does that go for the Blues? Is there any other player movement that he's expecting around the NHL that could have an impact on the Blues over the next 24, 48 hours? We'll get into all of that, some of your questions as well, as we finish things up with Mike McKenna, former NHL goalie, now with the Daily Faceoff, in studio with us for another 20 minutes here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. left here on BK and Ferrario with former NHL goalie in now the daily face-offs NHL analyst. He is Mike McKenna in studio with us Mike. and it's time for some quick hitters. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. If you want to get involved, if you got any questions for Mike McKenna, draft related, NHL free agency related, trade, blues, whatever it is, we've got Mike McKenna for another 15 minutes. He's a great resource. So get your questions in right now. Well, let's start with this one. What do you think ends up happening this offseason with Tyler Bozak? Do you think that he gets another deal here, elsewhere? What do you think the future holds for Bozak? 36 years old. I mean, played a nice role for the Blues in what he did. But does that go to a young player at this point? Do you open up space for some of the prospects that are moving through? I, I, I'm i tough to read that one because I think he'd be a very value signing if he did. Uh, and be depth. So yeah. I, I would lean towards Bozak not coming back, but I'm not sure where he's going to land in the league either. So it'd be a one-year deal, I would expect, if he did. I brought up the name Paul Stastny, Mike, for a fourth-line center role for the Blues next season. It's a guy who's probably towards the end of his career, coming off a season with 21 goals with the Winnipeg Jets. If he were to accept a lower-end deal where he comes in kind of like that Tyler Bozak role, would you would you look at that if you're Doug Armstrong? 
I, I don't know if you look at it if you're Paul Stastny, really. Really? You know, I don't I don't think the fourth line role really fits him. Yeah. I mean, he can grind and, and he can kill, but uh, you know, his body is it's taken a lot and it takes it takes a lot of energy and it takes a tough body to do a fourth line role mm-hmm. and really be able to, to crash bang, win faceoffs, kill and stuff. So I'd be surprised to see Stastny come back to St. Louis. What do you think is the role for Jake Neighbors next year? Hmm. Boy, uh, up in the air. That's the best question, right? <laughs> like, um, I mean, you can never tell with guys that have had little cameos that are coming out of uh, a junior career right. that have some have some juice behind them, frankly. So I, I think that remains to be seen. It's just it's going to be good to get him finally in a pro for good. So I, I would expect him to play the first those first eight, nine games, see how it goes, and then uh, if he goes to Springfield for a while, we'll see. Mike from the 573, what moves do you make tomorrow if you're Doug Armstrong? Do you trade up, trade down, keep the pick? You, yeah, you keep the first-round pick. The Blues need it, no matter how late it is. Um, you know, trading up or down always just depends on the players that are available. Mm-hmm. And you know, without myself having insider knowledge of what the Blues are looking for with their pick, that's what will be determined. But they haven't had... <laughs> Listen, first-rounders, you just can't let them go. And especially knowing that they don't have that second and then second next year, I think you've got to keep it. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Mike, this is your expertise from the 636. How realistic do you think it is that the Blues could land a veteran backup goalie? They specifically mentioned Flurry or Holtby. Or do you think that it is okay for them to go with a guy like Charlie Lindgren as their backup going into next year? Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury will not be a St. Louis Blue. That's going to require too big of a contract. Um, Braden Holtby, I've heard, is probably done. As really? In, well, Interesting. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I've heard that there's a really good chance that he may not play again, unfortunately. Great career in the Stanley Cup. Um, I, I would think more along the lines of someone like a Martin Jones or a, a veteran a veteran backup at this stage of the game. I mentioned I, I don't Charlie mind Martin Jones. That's not a bad one. Member of the Ferrario Five, Mike yeah. McKenna. Listen, Martin I, Jones. I, I I know Chucky Sideburns took the city That's by what storm. Everyone wants. But you know him and Joe Holfer were split in time in Springfield. Like it, it's if you're gonna come to the NHL at, at his at 29, 30, 31, you better have been the best goalie in the American League by an absolute mile. I've been in that role. Once you're labeled a number three, you're a number three. That's kind of <laughs> impossible to break that. You know what I mean? So I'd expect a veteran uh, NHL goaltender in the mill to $2 million range. You think they could get Martin Jones for that? Yeah, I, th- I think there's a decent chance that. I mean, he had, an, he had an okay year in Philly. He was fine behind Carter Hart and... Um, and I think that the Blues are going to want somebody that's got that experience as well. Uh, from the 636, Mike, what's your confidence level going into next season with Jordan Bennington taking over the number one spot if Huso is not back? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I'm, we're all on the same page. Huso's, I don't think he's coming back. Well, if you get Jordan Bennington from the from the early part of last season, don't forget, Bennington was amazing at the start of the year. But I tried to tell these and, guys. And he covered up an awful lot of defensive lapses for the Blues until it finally caught up. Yeah. Um, and then he was great down the stretch. So, I, I have confidence in Jordan Bennington. I believe in him as a goalie, and I think that if you're the Blues, you, you have to. At $6 bucks, you have to have confidence in him. Um, but that's also why you're not going to go with somebody unproven behind him. If money was not an object, and you could add any of the non-Johnny Goudreau, Philip Forsberg free agents to this Blues team, 
who would you want to see in St. Louis? Huh. Andre Palat, come on down, man. BK guy. Well, dude, like this he guy, he is such a great fit here. If, if they could make it work, they probably he, can. He reminds but, you a lot uh, of Brandon Saad, though, doesn't he? He's sick, man. Like, like they're similar, but Palat's top end. Like, I just have visions of him catching pucks with his feet six inches off the ice and kicking him <laughs> to his That's why you guys play sewer ball before every hockey yeah. game. And, and so, like, I think that guy's amazing, and he's probably been undervalued with Tampa. If you stick him on another team, I think he takes off. He, he would fit right in with Craig Berube in this Blues team. It's yeah. not going to happen, but it's not going to happen because that's why they just traded away Mike McDonough. He's going to get what, like five and a half mil? Oh, Palat's going to be six plus, I bet Really? You. Uh, five I, and a half, six. I, t- yeah, Tampa's easy. just in that six spot. Tampa's in that spot like Chicago Blackhawks were, and I think we talked about this, where it's like you have you have this, the main guys who get paid, but it's just this revolving door of like, oh, we got to keep this guy. Who are we going to move out to keep mm-hmm. this guy? At some point, you think that catches up with a team like Tampa. It's the game of Survivor. How long can yeah. I last? But here's the thing. Come fast the you know, yeah, he's not. When Tampa does the like, you go to Tampa and they are Julian Breesbrough, the GM there, is upfront. He is honest. He will approach you. He will talk to you, and that's valued. You know, when yeah. you sign those deals, you know that that may happen when you're on a cap team like that. That's why the Nick Paul Nick Paul takes seven years. I know three point one five. That's a great deal for the team with a little bit of risk on Paul because he has to keep up the pace of play. Right. But that's such a smart play. Well, and you think, I mean, look, Victor Hedman's probably on the most team-friendly deal you can ask for of any player. I mean, the guy's the best defenseman in the NHL, or one of them, and he's making $7.5 million. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't see that uh, around the NHL. This one's good, Mike. I, I, uh, they asked if you've had any crossings with uh, Craig McTavish, the new assistant coach for the St. Louis Blues. Shockingly, six degrees of Mike McKenna, this has not happened. <laughs> I've never had a conversation with Craig McTavish. Uh, know plenty of people that have played for him. Obviously, a wealth of experience behind the bench, in the front office, as a player. My best memory of Craig McTavish, though, is that he was, in fact, the last yep. player in the NHL with no helmet on. And I remember him getting hip-checked, flipped upside down uh, in St. Louis here one night towards the end, and he had a large amount of ice stuck in his hair. Best and that's flow. an enduring image in my mind. Yep. <laughs> 65780 is the air comfort service text line. Uh, Mike, if the Blues are not able to acquire a Jacob Chikrin, is there somebody that is off the radar for us right now that there aren't a whole lot of conversations about that you think would be an interesting possibility for the Blues, defenseman-wise? Hmm. You know, I, I mean, we've covered a lot of them. <laughs> and, and again, you're, you're trying to mine somebody out that's going to cost two or three million bucks. And so, like, I think you guys are spot on bringing up Haig. That's somebody you could bring in. I, I almost wonder if, you know, do they even look at a flyer on a Justin Hall out of Toronto that you could grab? You could offer sheet him for two and a half million bucks, and if you get to keep that player, it's good. But. Somebody's brought up Toronto, too, and it's not just Justin Hall's name. It's uh, Rasmus Sandin, who's a restricted free yep. agent, and I've seen people talking in Toronto about Jake Muzzin potentially being on the trade mm-hmm. wire because Toronto's in such a a bad cap situation. I, I mean, maybe Toronto's a team that we're not talking about with left-handed defensemen that could match. The question, though, is for the Hags, for the Hulls, for the Sandines, are any of these guys top four defensemen? Well, because that's what you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, Sandine is the one. Sandine's the one I meant, not Hall. Hall's got a year left on his deal. It's Sandine who's the RFA that you could potentially offer sheet and get for pretty cheap. It's like, this is a guy, though, that's young and has a lot of upside to mm-hmm. him, still believed, and kind of got derailed for a little while this year, so... Uh, maybe, 
the thing is, you can kind of take advantage of Toronto That's right That's what now. I, yeah. Like, they're in a weak spot. They're like man. Vegas. Yeah. They got a goalie in Mrazic making 3.8. That's clogging up the arteries. Like, they, <laughs> they can't have that contract. They're kind of in one there, man. Like, they need some flexibility. The last thing that I have for you, Mike, if you had to project out, you, you look into your magic eight ball, and this is what the offseason is going to look like for the Blues. What do you think is the most realistic outcome for this offseason? What does the Blues team look like as they approach opening night on the ice? I think you're going to see David Perron back in a Blues uniform. Um, I actually believe that you're probably still going to see Tori Krug in a Blues uniform. I think that there's there's an awful lot that needs to happen for that. And let's not forget, Krug's also got trade protection. Yeah. Here, okay, so that one to me is kind of a pie-in-the-sky thing that could if the right thing fell into place. At this stage, I'm starting to think that Tarasenko may go. It's just, boy, that you look at your availability to get rid of a deal and open up cap flexibility, it could happen. So I, I, I don't think the lineup's going to be that different. I, I do think neighbors are going to be a big factor next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're going to see a lot of the same next year, which may not make everybody that happy. Yeah. If Tarasenko were traded... Do they look at another forward like an Andre Pilat? Because you're, I mean, you're opening up cap space and then you would need to replace a lot of production offensively. Do you then have to go to the market to be able to replace some of that? I don't think you necessarily do. I think you can go to the trade market too. Like, I, And that's where I think like if there's a deal in place for Tarasenko, it's probably likely to, I mean, that might even be a three-team swap for all you know. You know would what it I involve mean? like a, a middle of the, like second or third line forward rather than the defenseman you think? That's what I would expect. Yeah, and I think it could go any direction, but like Tarasenko's not going to go to Arizona, you know. Like right. so, they're they're just they're, there's pieces that can be moved around there, um, and I'm I'm not convinced that this is going to be a big overhaul. That's how, not how this team operates. How tough is it to pull a deal like that off, Mike, at the draft? Because like it feels like something that you'd say like, oh man, that could happen. And look, Braden Shen got traded at the draft to the Blues. Mm-hmm. But it also seems like one of those things that you start the conversations at the draft, but this takes you into like the middle of free agency. Could be, but this is the first time that coaches are the GMs and franchises and media and everybody's ever been around each other in the last like so three years. Get antsy? So I, I think that as the as the wine <laughs> tab, Montreal, which as I, the wine, I knew they have pretty good places to drink in Montreal. <laughs> as the as the wine tab goes up, the deals start flying. Um, they could be consummated. They could be a delayed consummation that we could see, but. Um, these things are gonna, there's going to be at least one showstopper. I mean, like, I always think that the big deal it was when Corey Schneider went to the Devils. First yep. round pick, boom, on the floor. Lou Lamorello magic. Like, it's, it's I don't know if Lou. we'll see another move like that, but I, I think we'll see some fireworks. Mm-hmm. Mike, this has been awesome, man. We yep. always enjoy having you on. Where can people find your work over the coming days as you're following up with the draft and then free agency, all of the trades that could happen between now and then? Where can people find all of that? Easiest things always on my handles on social, especially Twitter, at Mike McKenna 56. Uh, and then go to dailyfaceoff.com. It's not just myself. It's Frank Saravalli and Scott Burnside and Chris Gear, a former assistant GM, and a, a whole host of people writing about the sport, talking about the sport, and um, we're constantly putting all your news, inside analysis up on Daily Faceoff. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher 
And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.